everyone, it's your friend Samuel. Uh, before we start the episode, I wanted to take some time uh, to give you some updates, just me and you, before the show starts so that um, our regular programming has a certain flow to it. Um, so in this new year, uh, you can kind of expect this sort of thing from each week, so I'll give you these updates before the episode and they'll start normally. Um, I wanted to let you know that um, we are going to change what day we air to the podcast. We are going to switch to Tuesdays. It seems like most of our listeners choose Tuesday to download it anyhow. So we are going to post it then. Um, That's just how our schedule works. Um, Our episodes will still be coming out on WGRN on the regular time, 9 a.m. on Sundays on 94.1. Um, even as a podcast listener, you can check that out um, as well. It basically airs to the surrounding Columbus area, so you might be in the area and want to check it out. Um, it has great other podcasts and other things like that. Otherwise, um, I would encourage you, please check out our Facebook and our Instagram. Uh, you can search Community Roots Podcast, or we're at communityroots.pod. Um, that's how most of our information is given out um adrian and mom run it and they do a great job and they have a lot of uplifting posts as well so check that out um another thing is itunes if you could head out to itunes rate and review us nothing helps us more than those reviews we are being seen all over the world and every time you take the time to do that it really helps us um it shares your feedback so that we know what to expect um and Also, I wanted to say, please reach out to us via email. We've had a couple of listeners reach out and talk to us. Um, Our email is communityrootspod at gmail.com. And any sort of feedback you have, things you want to hear, other things you want to talk about or discuss, we would love to hear from you. So please email us then. And the last thing is Patreon. We will be launching our Patreon soon. I hope you guys checked out last week's episode. That was one of our listener questions that we will be launching for Patreon as well. Um, That will be up by February 20th. Um, We'll have some raffles and some different um, tiers and all the sorts of things that helps you support us and helps put out more content that um, you want to hear. So awesome. I think that is all the updates I have. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello everyone, welcome to Community Roots, a place where we gather in community to talk about mental health so we can travel the journey of life together. I'm Samuel Richards. I'm Julie Richards. I'm Adrienne Johnson. And we are in beautiful mom's JHR counseling and consultation headquarters recording. This is great. I, I love the feeling beginning. of change. Everything uh-huh. looks so bright and uh, we have windows in our room, um, our own equipment, uh, the lovely Todd Richards, my dad, made a table that is all nice and all the the chords are great. So welcome to a new year, 2020. I'm so excited. 
I'll just edit that part in. <laughs> well done. Beep. <laughs> I'm serious. You'll, you'll get to look for it. <laughs> I'll go. Hmm. I'd love to thank JHR Counseling and Consultation. <laughs> <laughs> That's like an Easter egg. Like we know. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, um, so this week I'm very excited about our episode because we're tailoring it towards children. We know we have a lot of listeners of the podcast who have kids. And so uh, this particular um, episode, we're talking about anxiety and children, which I'm very excited for because I feel that it's applicable in my day to day and I'm not even a dad. So that is useful. And particularly, I got this idea from one of our listeners that said this would be helpful. And so I just want to mention that here that we really do take to heart what you're needing to have support in and that we want to hear your ideas. We want to know what you're interested in. And I thought it was a great idea whenever she mentioned, um, what about kids? Kids have so much anxiety today and so much stress. And how do they manage it? And I think the one thing about anxiety is that it is so kind of hard to wrap your mind around. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've heard of a quote of anxiety is the catch-all emotion that it's when you don't know what you can describe is the emotion that you're feeling. It's got a whole lot of anxiety around it. It does. It does. And um, another myth is that it only exists in adults and it, it's, it's not age specific. Everyone feels anxiety. And I definitely think applying this to kids, and I've noticed this in our own show notes, um, how kids have trouble communicating. Like they're they're just learning this language, and well, even the sensations of feelings. And so, um, anxiety for me, I was really glad whenever I had a lot of anxiety, I had some therapy to go with it. So I was able to understand the signs and also calm down and control my emotions. And not that they didn't ever get out of control, but... Um, they can feel like it. Right. I feel way more equipped. And I think that uh, what we're going to talk about today is great because I learned a lot of it from my mom. So this is a refresher course <laughs> post probably 2013, 2014. Hmm. Probably not that. Probably 2015, something like that. But either way, I learned all this stuff in crisis. So... Mm. Um, it's cool to see it brought up again, especially for kids, this newer generation, any new generation, being able to have this tool is so useful. Mm -hmm. And what you had just mentioned about sensations, I think is really important about anxiety is a feeling in our body. It's the things that, you know, for some people it comes out, we, we describe it as butterflies in our stomach or sometimes headaches or tension in our muscles or like you actually feel anxiety. Mm -hmm. You feel the distress of it. Mm -hmm. And so the somatic piece is important. It's just that stress. I can feel that tension. I can flash back to it very easily. Like that post, I mean that pre-test feel that, mm -hmm. um, Maybe you didn't study as much as you want, so you kind of feel that tension is that anxiety piece where it feels like your whole body is affected. It's not mm -hmm. just your stomach or your brain. It's like your whole body feels this unease and tension. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And children don't know how to put that in words. They don't know how to say, I'm feeling anxious and this is what I'm feeling somatically. And so it's important when we're talking to our children to speak their language, to tell them 
that this is what it feels like. This is what you're feeling and it's okay. Everyone feels this and here's what we can do about it. And it's interesting too, to think about our anxious thoughts, our anxious body sensations, um, the emotion can be um, kind of a blocked feeling of so many different things at once that, you know, that I mentioned about that catch-all emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, one picture that can be really helpful for understanding for parents, but even to teach your kids this, that anxiety can kind of look like an iceberg. And that on the surface, we see things that are the behavior that's coming out. But then underneath that is all of the different feelings that are causing that behavior in the first place. Mm -hmm. So rather than us getting like really worked up over frustration with kids acting a certain way that, you know, we're seeing all these behaviors coming out, we can try to understand what's on the outside and what's on the surface and then what's really rooting it underneath. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some of these behaviors that you'll see if a child is really anxious will be anger and explosive behavior or avoidance or over planning and trying to control everything or some of the somatic stuff like lack of focus or numbness or butterflies in their tummy or headaches or not wanting to go to school or being upset by little things crying and what would what adults would interpret as being unimportant crying to a child it's it's everything it's there's a reason there's a reason absolutely yeah you know i love the show inside out um for a lot of (gasps) things because i feel like it taught me a lot even though like and it was at an important time so um something that happens throughout the movie is the panels get more complex Mm -hmm. like if you remember the feelings were pulling and tugging and i think that i can definitely see that with kids where sometimes they just realize that something's not right and that's the extent of what they feel and i also think that extends into adults as well is like if you're not if you're not sure what you're looking for you just feel an emotion and sometimes it comes out in weird ways and um that's why i think it's so great with Adults, you can kind of teach them and show them this is what you're feeling and this is kind of a result of that and how you cope with that. But kids aren't necessarily prepared for that influx of information. So I like this idea of like if they're feeling like they have scattered thoughts or if they're just crying for no reason, like we're getting their language a little bit without them having to understand English and all their emotions. It's an easier way for us to say, okay, well, this might be something that's bothering them. Mm -hmm. It's easier for you to treat it instead of maybe distracting or like giving a candy bar just to get around it, you know, maybe being able to address it or being able to work on an activity that can work through that. Mm -hmm. Being able to help them articulate it. Mm Mm-hmm. And not being dismissive of what they're experiencing because, you know, if we go back to that thought that we had shared about the window of tolerance, anxiety is that we are outside our window. Things are too much for us. So it's a hyper arousal. It's outside. It's overwhelming. And to think there's so much uh, overwhelm in that. And one of the ways it comes out too with the behavior is negativity. Like how often do you hear someone, a child or an adolescent or even an adult talking about things in such a negative framework Mm -hmm. that that can be a sign of the really feeling anxious and fearful and concerned. And some of those feelings that can be rooting that is 
Is that overwhelm? It's feeling helpless or uncomfortable or stuck? Um, Rejected, disrespected, offended. Sometimes embarrassed or ashamed of something. Depressed. Mm -hmm. Children feel a multitude of emotions. And even just tired. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Or lonely. Like maybe something happened at school that day that stuck with them. Mm-hmm. They didn't get over it just because they're, you know, outside the classroom or off right. the bus or at home. It's it's still in their nervous system mm-hmm. from a sense of something being unresolved. Yes. And that they're their insides have been hyper aroused and then there's nowhere for it to go. So it just kind of festers and no wonder you can sometimes feel really irritable or negative. Yes. Yes. They're overstimulated. A child's world is vibrant and stimulating and, and so colorful in so many ways. And if they don't have the coping skills to, to talk about it, to get it out, to work it out, it's just going to fester as anxiety and negativity and anger. And it's something that we all need to pay attention to. One of the things that I think is so hard about it, too, is they have difficulty sleeping. Mm-hmm. If you're anxious and you're thinking of all these things that you're worried about and they're trying to put together details of, well, what's going to happen tomorrow at school? Or what am I going to do about this kid that hasn't been kind to me? And people are mean or things that they're just worried about. Then they don't sleep well. Mm-hmm. Well, then that you know factors into I'm too tired to sure. cope. Sure. And it's this cycle. Yeah, sometimes a lot with mental health, I think of just that one domino knocking over the other domino because it has a huge effect, like even not eating in the morning. We've talked about this on multiple off the beaten paths. Like um, if you don't sustain yourself in different ways, then it affects everything. So it's very difficult. Uh, something that I wanted to bring in from my own experience was kind of related to the symptoms of um anxiety being really attached and tangled up with ADHD and depression as well. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of one symptom is a lot of the other. They're intertangled. One of my therapists described it as like um, a ball of yarn that's just kind of tangled or lights that if you pull on one, you kind of have to work through all of them because they all affect each other in that way. So I see that in a lot of the signs that you guys are talking about with children is those scattered thoughts, inability to sleep. That's another ADHD um, mm-hmm. characteristic, but also anxiety and depression <laughs> mm-hmm. or sleeping too much or those depressive thoughts. Like I can see that extending and it probably means that there's a deeper problem. Sure. I think this goes along with our smash stigma um, episode as well. Not being too quick to label a child as ADHD or depressed or having an anger management problem. It can be so many different things. And sometimes it, it's manifested anxiety. It can be as simple and as complicated as that. And I also think the situation too, not to derail this conversation, but in terms of um, if a kid is just going through a certain phase because of the environment they're in. Like if they're not getting enough food or their house is stressful, then labeling them as ADHD or like diagnosing them, giving them drugs. It's like, even if that's just a phase of their life, they don't even get an opportunity to move past it Mm -hmm. because they're just already labeled, already put aside and like, let's treat it with medication instead of looking Mm at the surrounding um, causes and roots. Right, right more dynamics being able to look at it more dynamically like what's what's really going on here 
And to also say something that mom has told me earlier and other therapists as well, which is medication is a type of support. It's one type of support. Mm -hmm. It's not the whole thing. Mm -hmm. You can't just give your kid medicine and that fixes the problem. Right. It's rather one support that you also need like mental health support. You need family support. You need food. You need sleep. You need exercise and movement. All these supports need to hold you in order to keep yourself up. And medication is just a way to help prop it up. You can't just put it aside just because somebody's being given Adderall. That doesn't solve the problem. problem. Right. It's not a problem fixer. Right. It's a way that you can deal with it. Right. Right. They need support and understanding. If you throw medication at them, that's it's going to exacerbate the problem because no coping skills are being taught and and instilled. And you really need all of that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And really, the thought just popped in my head about anxiety is an indicator. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's telling us something. It's it's like moments before we started recording this episode, there was um, some kind of emergency vehicle outside that had sirens. And I thought that is so true for what anxiety is. It's a siren is going off inside of, I'm not okay. And often I don't know why I'm okay. And that question why... I've just noticed in processing even this week with some clients that why is a really intimidating, overwhelming question? Mm -hmm. And parents Mm -hmm. can get really frustrated because they'll want to know the answer from their child. Why are you doing this? Why are you, why are you acting that way? And that is exasperating it terribly. It's like putting gasoline on a fire of just, they might not know. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. might not know. And all they know to tell you are some phrases like, um, they might say, can I just stay home or, or don't make me, I don't want to do this or, um, my tummy hurts. Yeah. Or please don't leave me. Don't make me. Yeah. Sometimes it's a feeling of, I can't do it. Or can you do this for me? Or, um, it kind of sounds like the same thing somebody would say if they were scared to ride a bike, but their parent was like, I'm going to teach you how to learn a bike. It seems like that same anxious anxiety, if that's also apparent in day-to-day stuff, mm-hmm. like, hey, do you want to go shopping with me? Or, hey, it's probably maybe indicative of a deeper problem mm-hmm. um, because it is that anxiety. Like, those anxieties are the same. Like, the same anxiety of, oh, I don't want to fall off this bike is the same anxiety that's, like, I'm being bullied at f- school and I don't feel like I have any friends, even if you can't actually verbalize that. Mm-hmm. But just to say the emotion is the same. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this can be just unconscious or under the surface that they don't have the awareness to be able to say, well, I know that when I'm telling you my tummy hurts that I really just have anxiety. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can teach them that, that, you know, I wonder if you're feeling a little bit anxious about this. Is there something that you're scared about that you're worried about? Talk to me about it. I want to hear about it. Or maybe describe what you're feeling. Like maybe mm-hmm. where does, where are you feeling it? Mm-hmm. Or give your give your feelings a name. Hmm. So you might you might have words that your child is trying to tell you having a headache or they can't fall asleep or they're overwhelmed and they're saying I can't do this or I feel like I can't do anything right. I'm really negative and harsh with um, with myself and they're kind of giving you that attitude. But there also might be some things that they're doing that can be an indicator as a parent that you can help be a wise support for them that if they are getting, for instance, really angry and it seems 
it's they're easily angered by things they're really activated by things instead of thinking why are they getting so angry and that makes you as a parent angry and frustrated which just builds all that energy in the room realizing that you know underneath that anger is there might be some fear there might be some anxious thoughts um, they might act really sensitively and it might seem like they're taking things personally and depending on how the parent responds to that can make it worse, really. If the parent just says, you know, oh, you're fine. Like, that's not a problem. Let's go. Keep going. We have to hurry. I think hurrying can create anxiety. Very much so. Very much. And it's dismissive as well. It's just putting more pressure on. Yes. Instead of being patient and taking time whenever we need to sometimes allow more time, which doesn't fit the schedule and it's inconvenient and it's frustrating but it would really help if we would take Just some take of that pressure moment. off. Yeah, take that moment. And you're raising like a future big person. So being able to build that support, sometimes I think of parenting being about, and I know it's about a lot, but being about creating a space, safe space with unconditional love and like a space where you can talk about anything. And I think taking the time to sit down and talk to your kid to say, Hey, what is going on? Like, tell me what's going wrong. I know like everything (laughs) you also, I think a comedian said, um, parenting, you think you want to do all these great things, but imagine doing it on two hours of sleep (laughs) and Mm. your mood switches a little bit. But I really do think that maybe taking that time also builds that deeper relationship with your kid to say, that's what they're looking out for is to say, Hey, I'm hurting. Does anybody care? Like, is that a safe space Mm -hmm. for me? And that's kind of the question that they're posing while also saying I'm uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but your response to that, I think has a bigger impact than just that situation. It's one saying like, I do want to take the time to listen to you and figure out what's going on or I have other priorities. I think that is so important and how you're describing it makes me think in terms of an attachment lens and a relational, am I a safe haven? Am I someone that my child can have any feelings that they're having even the uncomfortable ones, and I won't become more irritable, but I can hold space for them in that. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's hard whenever we see our kids, our adolescents who are feeling really badly. They're feeling overwhelmed, stressed out, irritable, angry, negative, frustrated. So all of this energy is around them. And one of the ways that I help cope with that as a parent is that I will tell myself the phrase, they're feeling their feelings. And at the core of so much um, addiction or mental health concerns is that we avoid our feelings. We can't feel them. We, we've stuffed them. We've avoided them. We've denied them. We've medicated them. We've um, shamed them. We've shamed them. We've had all, yeah, exactly. There's just been so many things that we, because we don't know what to do with our feelings and we can't feel them. So when my adolescence at this point, but even whenever I had younger kids, I just, how important it is to be able to have space where it's okay to let your feelings out. And that's not to say that you, you know, disregard all boundaries or teaching how to like be moderate in how we handle our emotion because there's a time and a space for that. But sometimes it's really good that the feelings are coming out because then they're not stuffing them and they're not denying them and they're not avoiding them or needing to later medicate them because they'll say, okay, I'm getting used to what this feels like to have my feelings. 
And it gives them a measure of control, too, over their feelings and what they can do with that and how to express it. Children have so few um, routes for control. They have very few avenues in which they can express themselves safely outside of a, a safe, loving environment. So keeping in mind that when we give them the skills to express themselves, we're giving them control. And it helps them feel empowered and they become empowered adults. So in talking about attachment and what is the safe environment that I can create for my child so that they can have their feelings and their emotions, some phrases that are really helpful to calm a child or adolescent whenever they're feeling anxious is, I'm here. You're safe. I, I want to hear about it. Tell me about it. Um, sometimes you can sit with a child and kind of ask them, how big is your worry? You know, is this does it feel really, really big? Is it really hard? And, and even give them a little bit of separation from their anxiety to be able to consider that their whole being is not anxious and worried. Part of them feels that way. So like, what would you want to tell your worry? Is that something that you want to draw about or, um, something that you want to change the ending on or, um, what other things do you want to to know about this thing that feels like worry? To get curious about it, to, to wonder. So that the, that wonder and curiosity is an openness and it gets us back into that window of tolerance where we're calm and we're able to think and we're more online with our brain instead of feeling that flipped lid of too much overwhelm and anxiety, being curious about it and wondering about it can be calming. I also think that um, whenever my memories of a kid are very black and white in order, like I'm either angry or I'm not angry at all, <laughs> or like some sort of, it feels very black and white where there's just so many emotions and so much input. I think you talked about that early, so much stimuli being a kid mm -hmm. because everything's new. And um, so I think that black and white often appears in my own memory of whether I was feeling like I can't go over to a sleepovers for, to a friend's house. So it's just the end of the freaking world, you know? Um, and I think being able to name it, to be able to describe like how intense is this for you is a way to say like, it's not black and white. It's like not the end of the world or mm -hmm. you're not feeling anxiety. It's like, name it. Like, let's describe a little bit. There's what it shades feels. of it or levels mm -hmm. of it. Right. There's, dimensions to it and I also think part of anxiety in my experience has been not addressing things it's just kind of like this shady void that I'm like oh I don't even want to look over there because I don't know what's in that but being able to actually look at it and name it and say like oh here are the limits of my anxiety here's what where it's coming from where it's stemming from maybe itself won't actually change the anxiety. I might still feel anxiety, but I'll at least feel in control mm -hmm. because I know what it is. I know where it's coming from and I know that it's something I have to cope with. And being a safe adult, if you can help ask your child or adolescent, what do you need right now? What do you need from me? And to let them know with reassurance that this feeling is going to pass. This is not always going to feel this way that it does right now. We can get through this and we can do this together. 
I think another thing um, to keep in mind is when you're saying these things to your child, you are telling this child, not just verbally, but non-verbally, that they are important, that you are important to me. I'm going to take this moment out of my schedule, of your schedule, and just let you know you're important. What you're feeling is important. And I want to share my space with you because your your world is my priority right now. I want you to know that. I want you to take that with you. You are safe with me and I am safe for you. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also think it's that same domino effect, but in another direction. We've talked about this on the pa- in the past about how poor mental health is a ripple effect, but so is good mental health. And I think kids are so cool because you're not only telling them, hey, our relationship matters to me, like you can with adults, to say, I really want to take this time. But with a kid, you're also showing them how they should behave and like what they're going to be looking towards in the future. Modeling. Right, exactly. And so that kid in the future, even if you're not around, they're going to say, what did mom and dad do? Like, how do I cope with this? What would they say? And they would probably tell me like, and they can kind of walk their way through it because being a parent, you're that role model. And I think that adds that extra layer of awesome is that you're creating that ripple effect of then whenever their kid feels that anxiety, they're going to be able to learn about it. And they might be even better. Your kid might be better effect, um, better equipped by the time they raise their kid with their anxiety so that it's just a ripple effect of good mental health that it's like passing that down to the right, generations. Right. It's not it's not the end of the world whenever one of your kids has anxiety, which I feel like we all do at any point, but it's rather a teaching moment and a moment Mm -hmm. of strength that now in the future, they can look to this moment and both say like, I've learned something. I've thought of something, but I've also persevered, which is one of my resilience resilience. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that is really cool. Mm hmm. And there's such a responsibility for parents to keep going on the healing journey themselves because the best support we can give an anxious child is that we learn how to stay calm ourselves and that we can be a strong home, secure base, um, give them a sense of soothing and calming and that it won't, their irritations and their anger is not going to build and explode my irritation and my anger as the parent I'm able to hold space for that and to allow them to feel and help be a co-regulator of the emotion to show them what calm can look like and talk about and brainstorm like what works for them it's going to be different for each person our healing journeys are unique and so sometimes it's trial and error a little bit of things that can help be soothing. Sometimes it's putting your hands under warm water or sometimes cool water. Sometimes it's holding an ice cube. Sometimes it's having a weighted blanket or an animal, a pet nearby that can help calm and soothe. But learning what those things are and talking about that openly so that you can say like, what would help calm you right now? What would be soothing for you right now? And that they would know some things that work for them because you've been talking about it already and you've been practicing it together. And asking them, inviting them in on the process of anxiety management because we we want them to feel like they have some control and they have some choice. And so when we ask them and we work with them, instead of talking at them or telling them, they feel like they can have some agency in a world that's very hard for them to navigate. 
And I think it's so important. We've kind of alluded to this a little bit today, but I just really want to speak out specifically to it. It is so important to validate someone's reality. Mm -hmm. That's such a core sense of who they are and how they experience their sense of self that is developing from the time they're just little toddlers and growing up and in childhood and adolescence that if they tell you that they are overwhelmed and they're scared and they're frustrated and it feels really big and really hard, our response as parents has to be one of curiosity and understanding to say, this sounds like it is really hard for you right now. Help me, help me understand what that feels like for you. Tell me more about that and not to dismiss it and validate it or correct them or get more angry with them because they're not behaving a certain way. On that, I hear a lot from, from parents that they feel frustrated when they ask their child why or what, and their child responds with, I don't know. And they respond frequently with, I don't know. And what's really important uh, for parents to keep in mind is that sometimes we don't know. And exactly. it's okay to not know. Exactly. Reassure your child that it's okay to not know, that you will figure it out together. And maybe you just need to sit with it for a while and not ask questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think even the thought of answering a question of why when we can't figure out the answer adds to the pressure, adds to the tension, adds to the irritability, the negativity, the outburst, the anger. Absolutely. It just feeds it all. I think that what I really identified with was this being a part of a continuing conversation. I think that's really cool. What I was thinking about was kind of using the, a similar language like if you notice your kid is comfortable saying, hey, your blanket really brings you comfort so that whenever it comes, I mean, everybody has their blanket or their doll growing up, you know, but just to say, help them identify that that's a safe thing for them and that they get some support out of it. So um, I think that's really cool being a part of a continuing conversation that it seems much easier than dealing with it in a crisis. And I think sometimes that's just about noticing things rather than it doesn't have to be an intense conversation about what their favorite ice cream is in order to feel better or whatever, they're not an adult, but rather just like noticing like, hey, you seem comfortable right now. What do you have on you that's comforting to you? And it might be when you're driving in the car, it might be on the way to a sports event, it might be just the laid back relational. I think when you're, you're building that secure attachment and that strong relationship, you kind of always have this sense of we're in this together and I'm learning about you and we're learning together and it's not me against you. Mm -hmm. It also loops back to that somatic experience too and grounding. So your child is able to look around and notice things in their environment and notice how they feel in the environment. And that can reduce some of the cognitive aspects that overwhelms a child when we're asking them why. Because you can't even answer the question if your lid is flipped. <laughs> if you're outside your window, your lid is flipped, you're offline. There's no answer for that. And so there's there's really the work of the parents to step back and say, I need to stop pushing right now. Mm -hmm. I need to not get frustrated that they don't know why. I need mm -hmm. to give them some space and some time and we'll work through it and, and we'll get there. Exactly. Yeah, I think a large part of being a kid is just utter confusion. <laughs> oh, sure. Why do things work like this? Why am I feeling this? What is happening? And um, I mean, middle school A lot school of overwhelm. Is, yeah, definitely. Oversensitized. And you know, I was thinking too, just little things like maybe saying, t taking a deep breath and just being like, doesn't it feel nice to just take a deep breath? 
So then whenever later they're feeling overwhelmed, being able to remind them like, hey, you like taking deep breaths. It calms you down. And they haven't even had an anxious moment until then. It doesn't matter because you're able to pull on that um, historical um, structure that you've started building. And for parents too, even if your child is not willing to breathe with you, it is going to help you as a parent to feel more grounded, <laughs> to just start doing the breathing. And they might they might catch on and join you, or they might not be ready for that yet, but it will help ground you as the parent to take some deep breaths. And if you can't inhale right away, sometimes I'll tell people, exhale first, because it will automatically make you want to inhale because you'll run out of air to breathe. So just blow the air out. And that is going to activate your parasympathetic nervous system that gives you peace. That's pretty cool. I'm very encouraged by this conversation. You know, I think there's something really cool about parenting, reading some old, old like sociology theories and stuff like that, just about how core parents are to humanity and specifically like the relationship with the mother. But I also think that it ex- expands to all just like those familial uh, connections in terms of um, whenever you're a kid, like your best friend is your parents. And so being able to have a parent who's equipped to help them deal with some of these things seems really cool and encouraging to me that like kids who either listen to this podcast, affected by this podcast, or even beyond this podcast who have these skills learned from a different source, I think is really encouraging. Um, because of those ripples, like we're talking about. It can really change the quality of life and the quality of our relationships. And that impacts how we feel and what we do. There is such a huge ripple effect that impacts our whole community. And your relationship with your child lasts a lifetime. So using these skills now is going to impact how you relate to them as teens and young adults and and so on. And like mom said, you can use these tips and tricks yourself. So it's like a double win. You're learning and you're also learning about your kid. So um, that doesn't necessarily happen often. (laughs) But um, being able to draw on that yourself, I think, is really useful because maybe even simplifying it is a way that your own brain can comprehend it easier. Absolutely. It can give you support as a parent. There are a couple resources that I wanted to mention that are really helpful. Um, there's a series that you can find online with HaySigmund.com, uh, and they have two books about anxiety that I really recommend to folks. That is, One is called Hey Warrior, and that one has this um, adorable little uh, created almost like a monster thing, but he's really cute on the front. And that's the amygdala that is kind of causing all of the distress because our amygdala is the part of our brain that is on high alert, that something might be wrong and something's dangerous. And so we need to make sure that we're safe. And so it helps this first book, Hey Warrior, talks to kids um, about how to understand what is happening in your brain and why you are feeling all the feelings that you are with anxiety. And then the second volume of that set is Hey Awesome. And in that one, it gives all kinds of different um coping techniques, things that you can try. Each page is a different idea of ways that you can calm whenever you feel really anxious. And those books are children's books. You can get them in paperback or in hardcover. 
they are great for kids, but they are great for adults because I don't know about your reading list or your stack of books if anybody is anything at all like me, but I might just be strange. But I've got a huge list of things that I'm trying to read. So many books I try to get through, but a children's book, I can do that in one sitting and it's amazing and it's and really it counts as a whole book <laughs> it, does. it does and it's got so much great support in it like it's and even just seeing the pictures and and the colors it is kind of soothing just to read and understand and kind of wrap our mind around to realize that like one of the things I got out of the book, uh, our amygdala is strong. Like it's trying to protect us and we are not weak because we have anxiety. It's actually, we're very strong and awesome. We just need to learn how to work with it to help make it more um, supportive to us instead of on overdrive. Yeah, these books definitely helped me out as an adult coming back from Pittsburgh and just learning how my emotions worked um this was in a really easy way that even the amygdala it's something i knew and i got it on all of my biology tests <laughs> psychology uh biology was it to biology well. too yeah. i remember you were taking a psychology class and we were talking about it and you're like my test today had the amygdala, the amygdala. On it. it comes up time and time <laughs> it again it's one of up. those things but i think it's great and it was a gr great way to both learn about something and i also think being able to put a name to something. Yeah. Something that I imagine too is like the amygdala is a small part of your brain. So sometimes I just imagine all my like fear and anxiety in within that portion. And it's more of an alarm than it is like yeah. I'm actually going to die. Yeah. And so that gives me a lot of like security. I don't necessarily see the amygdala as my protector, although I totally see how it is from that book, mm -hmm. but rather just a small thing that I have control over and it's an alarm that I can just say I got the message and I can find a way to deal with it instead That's of awesome. letting it overtake me. You yeah. Know? So I think we're reaching the end of our episode. Um, I'd love to end on gratitudes. Um, <clears throat> we talk about this time and time again about how it's a great conversation piece. It makes you more grateful. So uh, I wanted to say, oh, and no repeats from here on out. <laughs> we're going to have to really sometimes, stretch. Yeah, sometimes we, we say all, thankful yeah. that we're thankful for I all the I want to echo things. what Samuel said. <laughs> I want to echo what Julie said. Or that we just repeat we're all our echoing. same one. But um, I am really thankful for sunlight in our recording studio. I love being able to see the outside. Um, this is such a great space. It already feels like Community Roots headquarters. Everything's set up. We have computers and mics. You'll get a picture on Facebook if you haven't already seen it. So And Instagram. Right. I am really grateful for this space and how great it and built for us it is. So I took it. <laughs> I was going to say, that, that is totally unfair Aww. because we're all going to be feeling that same thing that we are so thankful for. I'm going to do a shout out to Todd because he has done so much work to help get things set up here with um, helping us order equipment, figuring out what we needed, making our table with the hole in the center so that it holds all the cords and and helping set up JHR counseling and consultation. He's been a huge um, team player and advocate and support. And so I'm super thankful I wouldn't be here today without all of his team um, support that he offers us. So I'm I'm not supposed to say I would like to echo that, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> it's 
and and thank you and um i'm thankful for my husband i'm grateful for him he is my safe person when i feel anxiety he is there he is so helpful he's my champion he is my source of support he is my rock and he makes me feel safe so i am i am beyond grateful for him and his presence in my life and i love him that's great well this is another wrap from uh worthington ohio um jhr counseling and consultation headquarters and so we will see you next week off the beaten path and we are right back on schedule so you'll be hearing from us every week um we're so excited that you're listening to us and you're a part of our community and so we'll talk to you soon